April 16th, 1889, London, England. Charles Spencer Chaplin was born. His father was a versatile vocalist and actor, and his mother, known under the name of Lily Harley, was an attractive actress and singer who gained a reputation for her work in the light opera field. Charlie was thrown on his own resources before he reached the age of 10, as the early death of his father and the subsequent illness of his mother made it necessary for Charlie and his brother Sidney to fend for themselves. Having inherited natural talents from their parents, the youngsters took to the stage as the best opportunity for a career. Charlie made his professional debut as a member of a juvenile group called the Eight Lancashire Lads and rapidly won popular favor as an outstanding tap dancer. Good evening. And welcome to the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast as we celebrate the birthday of Mr. Charlie Chaplin. Charlie Chaplin, the iconic film icon. The, the, the screen would not exist today of comedy and pratfalls and action without Charlie Chaplin. I'm at the source, which is charliechaplin.com. This is, if you you don't go to Wikipedia to do research on Charlie Chaplin, you go to his actual website. He made films. He, he produced the music. This would have been the 132nd anniversary. And so today we all say... Happy birthday, Charlie Chaplin, the little tramp. It was in 1914 that Charlie Chaplin made his way from England to Los Angeles, California, which at that time looked totally different. I think there were a lot of orange trees. His debut in Kid Auto races at Venice in 1914. First Charlie Chaplin movie appearance as the Tramp. This was the moment that a star truly was born. You know, I mean, there's the movie A Star is Born, but this is when a star was born. What an icon. A controversial figure. I mean... Late years later, for his socialist views. But before we die, we, we, you know, we have to go digging. We have to go digging to honor. <sighs> Here's an interesting question. I always love questions. Why is Charlie Chaplin important? A comedian, an actor, a producer, a writer, and director. Charlie Chaplin is widely regarded as the greatest comic artist of the screen. One of the most important figures in motion picture history. In 1972, he received a special Academy Award for the incalculable effect he has had on the making of motion pictures as the art form of the 20th century. 
Charlie Chaplin learned to perform on stage, debuting at the age of five, filling in for his mother, becoming a professional entertainer at the age of eight as a clog dancer. He also had a stint with the vaudevillian act Casey's Court Circus. In 1908, he joined the Fred Carno pantomime troupe and quickly rose to star status. This man worked his way up from the dance halls, vaudeville, to Hollywood. Gotta understand, film the film industry was so new at that moment. And what Charlie Chaplin gave birth to cinematically. Mm. I'm not going to really go into the politics because I think that really is... It's not important. I mean, it is to an extent in terms of why he was exiled from the U.S. Why he he left. And, you know, it really was The Great Dictator. And that was his first sound film. Charlie Chaplin was such an enigma that he resisted making sound films. Here we go. Beginning of his career. When he was about 12, he got his first chance to act in a legitimate stage show and appeared as Billy, the page boy, in support of his first H.A. Saintsbury and then William Gillette in different productions of Sherlock Holmes. At the close of this engagement, Charlie started a career as a comedian in vaudeville, which eventually took him to the United States in 1910 as a featured player with the Fred Carno Repertoire Company. He scored an immediate hit with the American audiences, particularly with his characterization in a sketch entitled A Night in an English Music Hall. When Fred Carnot Troop returned to the United States in the fall of 1912 for a repeat tour, Chaplin was offered a motion picture contract. He finally agreed to appear before the cameras at the expiration of his vaudeville commitments in November of 1913. And his entrance into sim- the cinema world took place that month when he joined Mac Senate, Senate and the Keystone Film Company. His initial salary was 150 a week, but his overnight success on the screen spurred other producers to start negotiations for his services. At the completion of the Senate contract, Chaplin moved on to SNA Company in 1915 at a large increase. Sidney Chaplin had arrived from England and took his brother's place with Keystone as their leading comedian. The following year, Charlie was even more in demand and signed with the Mutual Film Corporation for a much larger sum to make 12 two real comedies. These included The Floorwalker, The Fireman, The Vagabond, 1AM, a production in which he was the only character for the entire two reels, with the exception of the entrance of a cab driver in the opening scene. The Count, The Pawn Shop, Behind the Screen, The Rink, Easy Street, heralded as his greatest production up to that time. The Cure, The Immigrant, and The Adventurer. Gaining independence. When his contract with Mutual expired in 1917, Chaplin decided to become an independent producer in a desire for more freedom and greater leisure in making his movies. To that end, 
He busied himself with the construction of his own studios. This plant was situated at the heart of the residential section of Hollywood at La Brea Avenue. Early in 1918, Chaplin entered into the agreement with his first national exhibitor circuit, a new organization specially formed to exploit his pictures. His first film under the New Deal was A Dog's Life. After this production, he turns his attention to a national tour on behalf of the war effort, following which he had made a film of the U.S. government used to popularize the Liberty Loan Drive, The Bond. His next commercial venture was a production of a comedy dealing with the war, Shoulder Arms, released in 1918 at the most opportune time, proved a veritable earthquake at the box office and added enormously to Chaplin's popularity. And then we enter 1921. He followed Shoulder Arms with Sunnyside and A Day's Pleasure, both released in 1919. In April of that year, Chaplin joined with Mary Pickford, Douglas Fairbanks, and D.W. Griffin to found United Artists Corporation. The corporation was organized as a distributor, each of the artists retaining entire control of his or her perspective producing activities. Delivering to the United States, United Artists, the completed pictures for distribution on the same general plan they would have followed with the distribution organization, which they did not own. The stock of United Artists was divided equally among the founders. This arrangement introduced a new method into the industry. Heretofore, producers and distributors have been the employers, paying salaries and sometimes a share of the profits to the stars. Under the United Artists system, the stars became their own employees. They had to do their own financing, but they received the producer profits that had formerly gone to their employers, and each received his share of the profits of the distribution organization. And under that deal with United Artists, Charlie Chaplin went on to make his own films. And a hundred years ago, this is why I I figured this is the perfect opportunity to talk about one of his masterpieces, and that's The Kid from 1921. Here we are in 2021. Before he could assume his responsibilities with United Artists, Chaplin had to complete his contract with the First National. So in early 1921, he came out of a six-reel masterpiece, The Kid, in which he introduced the screen to one of the greatest child actors the world had ever known, Jackie Coogan. Later in 1921, he released The Idol Class, in which he portrayed a dual character, then really feeling the need for a complete rest from the motion picture activities Chaplin sailed for Europe in September 1921. Now back to The Kid. The Kid is cons- and The Gold Rush are two of Charlie Chaplin's most beloved films. Oh my goodness. Charlie Chaplin... As an artist, not just a man, and he, and he we're going to talk about him being a humanitarian. And I have a Blu-ray, I think it's the Criterion, of The Gold Rush, which I watched not too long ago. It was a cold evening. And I watched it, and I, I was just so... Uh, the look and the feel of the film. He knew how to speak to his audience he knew what his audience wanted he knew how to speak to them at the heart of each film 
Directed by Charlie Chaplin, produced by Charlie Chaplin, written by Charlie Chaplin, starring Char- Charlie Chaplin, Jackie Coogan, and Edna Prevance. Released January 21st, 1921, at 68 minutes. Yeah. My goodness. Jackie Coogan, who went on to play Fester Adams in the in the Adams Family TV series. <sighs> Chaplin wrote, produced, directed, and edited and starred in The Kid and later composed the score. Innovative in its combination of comedic and dramatic elements, The Kid is widely considered one of the greatest films of the silent era. Chaplin biographer Jeffrey Vance maintains that the film is a perfect blend of comedy and drama and is arguably Chaplin's most personal and autobiographical work. The film made Coogan, then a vaudevillian performer, into the first major child star of the movies. It has been speculated that the depth of the relationship portrayed in the film may have been connected with the death of Chaplin's firstborn infant son just 10 days before the production began. After production was completed in 1920, the film was caught up in the divorce actions of Chaplin's first wife. That's sad. Whoa. Chaplin eventually removed scenes he believed too sentimental to modern audiences and composed and recorded a new musical score for the film's theatrical reissue. This re-edited version of The Kid is had its world premiere at the Film Society of Lincoln Center Gala tribute to Chaplin held on April 4th, 1972 at the Philharmonic Hall, New York City, with Chaplin in attendance. As of January 2021, the kid has earned a rare 100% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Whoa. Reviews, but it's from the film lovers. Charlie Chaplin's career as a filmmaker is unparalleled. Nobody can touch him. The only person I can say who is one of his contemporaries, and we can all say, because there's always the argument of who's better, and there's no argument. They're both good. Charlie Chaplin and Buster Keaton. Now, from the kid, you know, you had, if we can look on, his films are cinematic moments, cinematic masterpieces. His later films are are interesting. They don't lose what he, I mean, they're different. They're different. That's the beauty of Charlie Chaplin. I don't think he ever, even though he left the United States, his films just continued. I'm not going to talk about the personal things that, you know, but here, here's his directed features. After the Kid, A Woman in Paris, The Gold Rush, The Circus, City Lights, Modern Times, The Great Dictator, uh, Monsieur Verdadox, Limelight, A King in New York, 
a countess from Hong Kong. With the Gold Rush, the Gold Rush is his other masterpiece, released in 1925. The Gold Rush is the film that Chaplin has said he wanted to be remembered for. It has the little tramp persona. Chaplin drew inspiration from photos of the Klondike Gold Rush, as well as from the story of the Donner Party, who when snowbound in the Sierra Nevada were driven to cannibalism or eating leather from their shoes. Chaplin, who believed tragedies and comics were not far from each other, decided to combine these stories of deprivation and horror and comedy. He decided that his famous rogue figure should become a gold digger who joins a brave optimist determined to face all the pitfalls associated with the search for gold. Such as sickness, hunger, cold, loneliness, or the possibility that he may at any time be attacked by a grizzly. In the film scenes like Chaplin cooking and dreaming of his shoe or how his starving friend Big Jim sees him as a chicken could be seen. This movie is such a classic. Chaplin attempted to film many of the scenes on location near Truckee, California in early 1924. He abandoned most of this footage, which included the lone prospector being chased through the big snow by Big Jim, instead of just instead of just around the hut as in the final film, retaining only the film's opening scene. The film was shot on the back lot and stages at Chaplin's Hollywood studio, where elaborate Klondike sets were constructed. It was re-released in 1942. In popular culture, the role dance that the Little Tramp character performs in the film, starting at one uh, frame, one minute and one, is considered one of the most memorable scenes in film history. However, Rose Arkbuckle did something similar in 1917. Okay, Rose, suck it. <laughs> We're not going to rain on Chaplin's parade, are we? The circus for which Chaplin was given an honorary Oscar. Now, that's interesting. I think the only competitive Oscar he ever got was for score. Chap Charlie Chaplin was originally nominated for three Academy Awards, but the Academy took Chaplin out of the running by giving him a special award for writing, acting, and directing and producing the circus. The Academy no longer lists Chaplin's nominations in their official list of nominees, although most unofficial lists include him. That's strange. And then we have City Lights, which is another masterpiece. Although sound films were on the rise when Chaplin started developing the script in 1928, he decided to continue working with silent productions. Filming started in December 1928 and ended in September 1930. City Lights marked the first time Chaplin composed the film score to one of his productions, and it was written in six weeks with Arthur Johnston. The main theme used as a motif for the blind flower girl as the song La Verterre from Spanish composer Jose Padilla. Chaplin lost a lawsuit to Padilla for not crediting him. Oops. 
City Lights. It's the Flower Girl. It's Chaplin. It's beautiful. Modern Times. The tramp character struggles to survive in the modern industrialization world. The film is commented as the desperate employment and financial conditions many people faced during the Great Depression. Conditions created in Chaplin's view by the efficiencies of the modern industrialization. The movie stars Chaplin, Paulette Godard, Henry Bergman, Tiny Sanford, and Chester Conklin. It is notable for being the last time that Chaplin portrayed the Tramp character and for being the first time Chaplin's voice is heard on film. City, uh, Modern Times came out in 1936. And now we arrive at The Great Dictator. Released in 1940. Chaplin's film advanced a stirring condemnation of Adolf Hitler, Benito Mussolini, fascism, anti Semitism and Nazism. At the time of its release, the United States was still formally at peace with Nazi Germany and neutral during what would were the early days of World War II. Chaplin plays both leading roles, a ruthless fascist dictator and persecuted Jewish barber. The Great Dictator was popular with audiences, become Chaplin's most commercially successful film. Modern critics have praised it as a historically significant film, one of the greatest comedy films ever made, and an important work of satire. Chaplin's cinematic monologue was frequently been listed by critics, historians, and film buffs as perhaps the greatest monologue in film history. The Great Dictator was nominated for five Oscars. Outstanding uh, our best picture, best actor, best screenplay, best supporting actor, and best score. In his 1964 autobiography, Chaplin stated that he could not have made the film if he had known about the true extent of the horrors of the Nazi concentration camps at that time. That's intense. That's very intense. So Charlie Chaplin, the man we've we've covered, the filmmaker, was born on this day. Charles Spencer Chaplin, April sixteenth, eighteen eighty nine, in Walworth, London, and died December twenty fifth, nineteen seventy seven, at the age of eighty eight in Switzerland. He had eleven children. At the time of his death, was married. To Una O'Neill. Yes. Eugene O'Neill's daughter. <laughs> oh my goodness. Charlie Chaplin to me has always been this bright light. When we think of the darkness of the movie theaters and we think of people to look upon, people who give us hope and he gave people hope then and he gives people hope now. I don't think there is, I don't think there will ever be another Charlie Chaplin. There are people who draw from his comedic timing and, and analyze it. But the tramp character is all his. The United States 
basically exiled him after the great dictator for his socialist views. And then, as luck would have it, in 1972, the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences gave him an honorary Oscar. And I talked about this last night. This was perhaps... The, the, I mean, crowning moment of his entire career to show that people loved him. I don't think he, I, he seemed visibly stunned. And it, and it almost makes me verklempt that this man who basically helped to create film, we would not have film as we know it without him and Mary Pickford and, Buster Keaton, all those great silent stars. So I thought, let's do the that moment in nineteen seventy two. heightens our sense of survival and preserves our sanity. These are the words of Charlie Chaplin. So are these written over 30 years ago. We think too much and feel too little. More than machinery, we need humanity. More than cleverness, we need kindness and gentleness. Without those qualities, life will be violent and all will be lost. Humor and humanity the abiding elements of Chaplin's artistic conscience and his unparalleled talent as, as actor, writer, director, producer, composer, and to quote W.C. Fields, the greatest ballet dancer that ever lived. <laughs> Chaplin made more people laugh than anyone in history, yet always, just beneath the hilarity were the fears and sorrows of every man. So that one book about him is aptly titled, Charlie Chaplin, King of Tragedy. He created an immortal character, the little tramp. A thousand writers have woven allegories around him. Here's how Chaplin described him. A tramp, a gentleman, a poet, a dreamer, a lonely fellow, always hopeful of romance and adventure. He would have you believe he is a scientist, a musician, a duke, a polo player. However, he's not above robbing a baby of its candy. And of course, if the occasion warrants it, he will kick a lady in the rear, but only in extreme anger. The world responded not only to the wondrous humor of the little tramp, but also to the love and indomitability he represents, to Chaplin's soaring theme that man's humanity to man is greater than his inhumanity. The inscription reads to Charles Chaplin for the incalculable effect he has had in making motion pictures the art form of this century. Chaplin has become more than a name. It is a word in the vocabulary of films. And anyone who has ever seen a movie is in his debt. A few years ago, Mr. Chaplin said, my only enemy is time. We respectfully disagree. For wherever and whenever there is communication, a screen and an audience, 
whether here on Earth and now, or in some unfathomable future on some faraway star, time is Charlie Chaplin's dearest and eternal friend. so feeble, I can only say that thank you for the honor of, of inviting me here and all oh, your wonderful, sweet people. Thank you. for Mr. Charlie Chaplin at the 44th annual Academy Awards here we go here's some more honorary awards for special achievements or services to our industry are determined by vote of the Academy Board of Governors this is an historic milestone in the life of the Academy. In 1972, um, Charlie Chaplin received an honorary Oscar. I've watched the clip many times. The inscription reads to Charles Chaplin for the incalculable effect he has had in making motion pictures the art form of this century. This master of cinema, you know, one of the, the fathers of cinema, returned from a 20-year exile from the United States because of McCarthyism, to accept this award, and it's so moving.
it's so powerful. How can you not be moved to tears watching him receive it? Thank you for the honor of, of inviting me here. And oh, you're wonderful, sweet people. Thank you. So, yes, even 40-something years later, almost 50 years, my God. In 1992, Lord Ritten, or Richard Attenborough, the late Richard Attenborough, director of Gandhi, directed Mr. Robert Downey Jr. to playing Charlie Chaplin. And in the role of his own... Uh, her own grandmother, Geraldine Chaplin, played Charlie Chaplin's mother. How eerie. Robert Downey Jr. has said that he was scared at first and intimidated playing Charlie Chaplin. And he became Chaplin. And it was beautiful to watch. <sighs> what a moment. What a moment. And there's a interview, if I can find it, where Geraldine talks about playing her own grandmother. I mean, that, that's got to be weird, you know what I mean? Yeah. In fact, Robert Downey Jr. received his first Academy Award nomination and Best Actor for playing Charlie Chaplin. And if I can Somebody find it, in South London, to be the most famous man in the world. Here we go. Beatles and Library of Expressions. Just right. Here's Robert Downey Jr. talking with. Geraldine Chaplin. It was shocking because I thought it would be impossible to do. But then I saw him actually as the tramp and as Charlie, as Chaplin. And he's incredible. He's worked so hard and he's done it. He's achieved it. He has the essence of Chaplin. It's not that he looks like him. He has, uh, he, but he's, he moves like him. He has the grace. He has the romance. And he has the beauty. How'd you do, sir? One of the emotional high points of making the film was the day we shot the reunion scene between Charlie and his mother, Hannah, played by Charlie's actress daughter, Geraldine Chaplin. You know, it was our first meeting, but all I needed for the content of that scene was to look in her eyes because they were the Chaplin eyes. dreamed of this moment for years. Oh, this is America. This is where your dreams come true. The first day was an emotional shock because, first of all, I arrived on the set and there was my father's studio, rebuilt, exactly as it was. And I remembered that place, too. And, and that was shocking to see it. And then suddenly, out in the distance, came my father. And he, all kinds of left-wing intellectuals who'd like nothing more than to bring us down. 
to my way of thinking, motion pictures are potential. Isn't that amazing? Is that that's almost 30 years ago, Robert Downey Jr., who has since gone through a rebirth and Iron Man and yeah. But that the the fact that no one else I, I'm trying to think not a lot of people have played Chaplin. There's Robert Downey Jr. and then there's um Eddie Izzard who played Chaplin in the film The Cat's Meow aboard uh, uh William Randolph's Hearst's boat. Yeah. Charlie Chaplin I I can't really say uh, uh, enough about him. I just encourage you to watch the films. They have a look and a feel to them that is still so striking. This was a comedian who also was aware that in order to get your audience, you gotta you gotta make them cry, and then you make them laugh. You know, dying is easy. Comedy is hard. That is the actor's mantra, and Charlie Chaplin knew that all too well. And I think his greatest achievement is to just be a chronicler of the century, of the 20th century, from the first films that he started making to the last films he's, he made. And The Great Dictator, that's, that's a masterpiece. It is a controversial masterpiece for some. And he has stated that had he known the true conditions of the concentration camps he wouldn't have done it because he's basically satiring Hitler a few a couple of years ago the AFI they were talking about Chaplin and Emily Watson such a great actress she says how her grandfather I guess fought in both world wars and said how they would go to the sim- cinema and watch The Great Dictator and laugh till they cried about Hitler because that's who Charlie Chaplin was, satiring. That is the power of Charlie Chaplin to take the boogeyman, Adolf Hitler, so that everyone can make fun of him. And then also at the same time to play this Jewish barber. Back then... People weren't playing dual role roles. Him and Buster Keaton were the only ones to play the dual role role. Later on, you had Peter Sellers and Lee Marvin do it. Play or Eddie Murphy as well. And coming to America, he plays those many different roles within the film. So today is the hundred and thirty second birthday of Charlie Chaplin. A man we will never forget. We're not. I didn't want to talk about the controversies. I didn't want to talk about, you know, what happened after he died, which was very disturbing. I thought, let's just talk about the art, because that's what it's all about. It's about the art form. And we owe him a major debt. We forever will when it comes to film and comedy. What I loved about him was he didn't back down. Whether it was his politics or his his art form. Remember, he refused to make sound films for years. And when he finally did it with The Great Dictator, he rose to the occasion. There was a, an essence and there was a purpose for a sound film within his uh, 
filmography. He was making art, and then he says, you know what? I need to make this film. It is important. And 81 years later, it stands the test of time. All of his films do. So Charlie Chaplin as an icon, as a man. But remember, we all started out as children, and he started out as this little boy. The dad was gone. The dad had died, and mom couldn't work anymore. So him and his brother became the entertainers of the family and worked so hard to get where they would arrive at. And so uh, today I just salute Charlie Chaplin on this birthday, this this moment. This is 2021, 100 years ago. The kid came out, and it forever changed cinema. And it gave us Jackie Coogan and the Jackie Coogan Law, which I will talk about later on down the road. But that's a formidable, that, that is a duo right there. Charlie Chaplin and Jackie Coogan, the dynamic duo of this father and son just tearing it up. As always, unpleasant dreams. Happy birthday, Charlie Chaplin.